I have a confession to make. I, uh, I'm an absolute mess. It's the honest truth. I mean, day after day, I fail. I mean, I, I'm, standing, I'm standing here before you, and I'm just abundantly aware of how much of a failure, how much of a hypocrite I am. I'm supposed to talk about how to live for Jesus. That's the question. And I, it, I can't even get past this, this feeling inside of me that I, I, want, I want to do what is good. I want to do what is right. I try to cling to the truth, but still it seems to kind of slip through my fingers every single day. I, I, I just don't have the ability to do it on my own. A couple days ago, my wife, Abby, um, was at the store, and my son, Asher, he's four. He was just having, having a day of disobedience. Sound familiar? So he was, he was melting down in the store, right? I'm sure you've witnessed that, experienced that, or have done that right? And so he's, he's melting down, and she finally, you know, corrals him into the car, and she asks this brilliant question that I wouldn't have thought to ask. She asks, Asher, why are you disobeying? Here's his answer. I know, mommy, but my body just wants to disobey, <laughs> and it's so annoying. That's what he said. She, she told me that that night, and I was, I was speechless because that's how I feel, right? I could say that to God. God, I know, but my body just wants to disobey. It's so annoying. So when I, ex I accepted Jesus, I was eight years old, right? And I think... I mean, I understood what it meant, but I also had this kind of lingering thought in my mind that there would be, I don't know, like a magic wand, or it, like my badness would be zapped out of me, like microwaved out, right? That I would be walking around like an eight-year-old angel with a halo, and like, oh, I'm perfect now, right? Because I accepted Jesus, and I'm, and I'm perfect. And we are made new, but ah, I struggle to this day. I struggle and I, I fail, and I just can't figure out how to do it right on my own because I'm not perfect, and I don't know what to do, and I feel hopeless sometimes. But there is hope. It's not in me. When I surrendered my life to Jesus, all this mess, to Jesus, I belonged to him. And because I belong to him, there's no condemnation. I'm made new. But it's important for us today to start here when we start talking about how to live for Jesus because it's really, it's really important for you, for me, for all of us to understand we can't do this on our own. And I'm a mess. And those of you who know me are going, you betcha. I need help. And one of the ways that Jesus helps us
is through the Bible. There's a letter in the Bible written by Paul. It's called Ephesians, and he wrote it to people who have surrendered their life to Jesus. Now, he talks about a lot of things in there, but one of the things he talks about is how to live for Jesus. We pick it up in the middle of the book. It's Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Paul starts to answer the question right away. And he answers kind of the definition with the, with the definition. You know, you're not supposed to do that, right? But he says, hey, Jesus. That's how this starts. Jesus. How do you live for Jesus? Jesus. Learn the truth is what he says. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Now, some of us might know what that means. Some of us might not. But here's really what Paul is saying. Hey, what you're reading in the Ridge Reading Challenge right now in Luke actually happened. It's true. It's truth. That's what he's saying. He's saying that Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. He come down to earth, lived a perfect life, was crucified on the cross to reconcile our relationship with God because we need that, because we are a mess. He rose again on the third day. He conquered death. He is perfect so that we don't have to be perfect and we are made new in him. What he's saying is all of that's true. And if you've learned the truth, that's where we have to start. A lot of times we end church with that, you know? Like we end church with, here's the truth. And I think that that's great, that we should. But what he's saying is, for us to live for Jesus, we have to start with Jesus. If we, if we want to do this, if we want to live for him, we have to learn the truth. But it's not enough just to know. You know? It's not enough just to, to learn it intellectually. Recently, I learned something, rocked my world for a little bit, I learned that red velvet cake might very well be made from bugs. I know, it's devastating. Here, here's, here's what I mean. Because you're thinking, no, it's cake, right? Well, that's true. But red dye, there are some red dyes that are made from insects. Red dye, actually a scale insect. Some, some not all. You're, freak, you're freaking out. I understand. It's okay. Not all of them, but some of them are made from insects, right? I mean, I looked it up on the internet, so it must be true. <laughs> I did. And, and so I go and I learned this. I just, I just discovered this. But here's the thing. I learned the truth, but red velvet cake is still delicious and I don't care if I'm eating bugs. <laughs> it doesn't change anything, right? Just because we know something doesn't mean we do anything about it. It's possible to know of Jesus, but not really know him. And so Paul is saying to have learned the truth isn't just to know it, it is to have surrendered your life to it, to Jesus. 
and that acceptance of Jesus in your life, it should change things. To learn Christ is to begin this process of being made new. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4.22. So he starts, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. You accept Jesus, you have to turn away from everything else. That's basically what he's saying. We had to throw off the old. Do you have anything in your closet that's old? We probably have more than I'd care to admit to you, but came across this. Um, this is an old hoodie of mine. I'm going to put it on. It shrunk. I haven't got bigger. It shrunk. You're looking at me like that. When we surrender our life to Jesus, we put our faith in him, we're, we're, we're casting off every rotten, dirty, nasty, sinful coat that we wear. So that's, that's kind of what this, this signifies. I don't know what it signifies for you, but for me, it, it signifies this uniform of sin that I have. It's kind of like the uniform of the world. It really stands for self-centeredness, pride, lust. Maybe the way that I view others, way the way I view the world. What is it for you? I don't know. Relationships, money, sexuality, affirmation, significance, addiction, food. I might not say the word that makes you go, ooh. But what is it for you? What does this signify? When we accept Jesus, we, we take off this filth. Now, I don't know much about clothes, to be honest. I do love a good cardigan. If you've ever seen me look nice, it is 100% because of my wife, Abby. But I do know that we have even phrases like dress for success, the clothes make the man, right? Because they do matter. Because we need them to fill the role that we're filling. You don't go to the beach in, in your winter clothes, or you shouldn't, hopefully. You don't, you don't shovel the snow in your summer clothes because you, you need to wear what fits the occasion, right? It becomes kind of part of who we are. If we dress the part, people will take us seriously. A couple of days ago, I came across this fan in the NBA, he was dressed in um, the exact same like hoodie and sweats that the, the home team wear, like their warm-up gear. He looked so much like them that he snuck onto the court and warmed up with them, right? Because he just looked exactly right. We actually have footage of it. If you don't believe me, we actually have footage of it. <laughs> I love everything about that. I love his lunges. I love the nasty shot that he throws up. I love he's calling for the ball, you know. I love that the police officer wags his finger at him. I love all of it. But I really think it also illustrates what we're saying, right, that clothes really can define us, can't they? Think about the big moments in your life, a wedding, a funeral, a job interview, 
you probably have some things that come to mind about what you should look like, about what you should wear. That's a multi-billion dollar business in the United States. Doctors, nurses, they wear certain things, right? Construction workers, soldiers wear certain things. And if I stood up here in scrubs or in fatigues, you'd probably look at me and go, that's weird. That doesn't seem to fit. That's kind of funny, right? And that's Paul's point. Before Christ, we wear this uniform. We wear the nasty one, the one with holes in it, the one that, sorry, it smells a little bit. We were that one. But after we accept Jesus, we take this off. Now, if, if, if you're like me, I, this kind of comfortable, this, this kind of feels good to wear. Maybe I wouldn't wear it out, but, you know, I, 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 can, I can get a new one on my own. I can figure this out, right? It's embarrassing, yeah, but yeah, I've got this. I can do this on my own, but in reality... It's dirty, it's tarnished, it's gross, it's wrong. That's what Paul is saying. We've changed our allegiance to Christ, we're on a different team. Change the uniform. It's like a prisoner being released from custody. Wouldn't it be weird if they wore their prisoner uniform the rest of their life? No, they've been set free. They don't wear the same clothes. We take off the old. But what's next? What happens after we take off the old? For me, I always thought it was like the zap, you know? And then you're perfect. Ephesians 4.23, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. It doesn't seem to be quite as simplistic as take off the old and poof, put on the new, because we need to let the Spirit renew you, renew me. You've accepted Jesus, now you have the new uniform, right? And it's perfect. But why is it that I keep putting this thing back on? Still struggle with being angry. Finances are out of control. Selfish. Why is it that I just can't get my relationships to work? Why is it that I just feel hopeless? Why is it that anxiety takes over my life? Why is it that I'm depressed? Why is it that I keep putting this thing back on because I've tried and I'm trying to take it off and I'm trying and I'm trying and my trying? Well, because I can't do it on my own. That's the point. I can try to take this off. And part of what it means to live for Jesus is to keep trying to take it off, keep discarding it, keep trying to burn it, but we are made new, not because of anything that I did, but because of who Jesus is. We are made new and in the process of being made new. So we can cast this off. I recently got an Apple Watch. I like technology a lot and um, kind of got it and opened it up and it had that new watch smell, you know? And, you know, I, I turn it on. It's got a full battery. I'm ready to go, right? And I turn it on, and what's the first thing that happens? I have to update it. First thing. It's brand new. Doesn't make it any less new. But in between them shipping it to me and me opening it, 
it got better. And they say, hey, you need to constantly do this. So yes, this last illustration was brought to you by Apple. <laughs> I'm just hoping for a sponsorship or something. It's in the process of getting better, right? Because we are in, spiritually, we are in a renewal process. We are made new because we've surrendered our life to Jesus, but we're also in the process of being made new. Both and, not either or. Bit by bit, thought by thought, because our, our feelings follow our thoughts, thing by thing, attitude by attitude, step by step, because of the Spirit in us, we are made more and more and more like Christ. We are renewed, we are changed, we are transformed. There's a churchy word for it. It's called sanctification. Sanctification. Here's what sanctification literally means, to set apart and make holy. Another way to say that is to be like Christ. Our lives are being made holy because of what the Spirit is doing in us, because the Spirit is sanctifying us step by step, thing by thing, attitude by attitude. We're being made new and holy. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit for a minute. Huge concept. Huge concept. If we want to like really dig in, like let's stay here and we'll let out, I don't know, two weeks from Tuesday. There's just a lot to cover, right? So we're not, not going to be able to cover all of it. But there are a few things that we want to mention that, that are helpful for you to understand in, in the topic of sanctification. First, I want to mention that there are some resources that we've identified for you. They're in your bulletin. There are two books that... Um, I'd love for you to check out if you're interested in digging into this a little deeper. Francis Chan wrote a book called Forgotten God. It's fantastic. And The Holy Spirit by John Bevere. Both of those are great reads, kind of next step reads. There's also an article in your bulletin. There's a video from Right Now Media in your bulletin. Because this is, this is a huge, huge concept that we're not going to be able to cover today. But here are a couple of things that I want you to know. First, the Holy Spirit is God. And we're given the Holy Spirit. He's inside of us. We're given him when we accept Jesus. You might be thinking, how exactly does that work? No, no. There's a lot to it. A lot of mystery here. But Holy Spirit is God, and we, we have a partnership with the Spirit. He's in us. And because of that, there are a lot of important roles that the Holy Spirit has in our lives. We've already talked about one of them, sanctification, that renewal process. That's something that the Holy Spirit does. Here are three others. The Holy Spirit is a truth revealer. Have you ever wondered, hey, how, how do I know? How do I know if this is sin? Or how do I know if what the Bible says is true? One big way that you can know is through the Holy Spirit. He convicts us. He gives us wisdom, discernment shows us what's right and what's wrong. It's that feeling inside of us. Some people call it a conscious, but it's much, much, much more than that. It's like God being inside of you can convict us of where we've, we've gone wrong. Truth revealer. Second, sp the Spirit is a gift giver. 
1 Corinthians 12.4 says it this way, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. Maybe you've heard that term, spiritual gifts. Here's really what that's saying. Have you ever thought, hey, I feel like God is, is telling me to take a next step. I feel like God wants me to go do this thing over here, but I don't feel equipped to do it. If you say that to me, I think my, my thought process, and what I'm probably going to talk to you about is the Holy Spirit. He does give you the gifts. He does give you the traits to take the next step that you need to take. He's the truth revealer. He's the gift giver, but he's also the fruit producer. And I don't mean Chiquita Banana, right? When I was, when I was growing up, um, I mean, this is more for me than it is for you, but when I was growing up, in my head, you know, you, you see things in your mind's eye, kind of visualize it. I saw the Holy Spirit as a dancing banana. It's 100% true, right? Now, I got, I got a little older, got a little wiser, and realized that that dancing banana also had fruit of the loom underwear because of the fruits of the Spirit. I don't know what's going on in here either. I understand where you're at. I understand. It's Galatians 5.22. Through 23, it lists the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I don't know about you, these are things that I desperately want in my life, desperately want them. And that's what the Holy Spirit provides, really. As he's changing, morphing, sanctifying us, this is what happens, the fruit's of the Spirit. We begin to see this change in our life that produce these things. So he's revealing truth. He's giving us gifts, producing these changes in our life as he sanctifies us. So it's not just casting off the old. It's also putting on the new. Put on the new. Ephesians 4.24, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You're already made new. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We're made new, and we're also in the process of being made new. So he says, hey, because you're made new, put on the new. So what is it? What is the new? Is it us just being better, trying harder, being perfect? No. Putting on the new is putting on the same jacket of Jesus. It's the one that he wore. I don't have to do it for myself. He did it for me. So what he's saying is, hey, you've taken this nasty one off. You are allowing the Spirit to renew you. And now you are standing before God and you are made new. You've got the new uniform on. That's Paul's answer to how do I live for Jesus. He says it this way in Ephesians 5, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And when I read that, at first glance, that sounds great. Imitate God? Well, that sounds like fun. Live a life filled with love? I can do that. I'm on board with that. That doesn't sound so bad, right? But Paul, if you really look closely, he doesn't stop there. He says, live a life filled with love 
following the example of Christ, which is sacrifice. That's what, that's what Jesus did. He died and rose again. He sacrificed every bit of who he is and was. So the answer to the question isn't quite as comfortable as I want it to be. Here's the answer. If there, if there is a simple answer, here, here's the best that uh, I've come up with. Live sacrificially. Romans 12.1 says it this way, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the truly way to worship him. That's what he's saying. Surrender all of that. And I don't know what that is for you. I really wish I did. I really wish I could say the magic kind of phrase or words that would get you to say, hey, yep, that's me. I don't know what it is. Is it finances? Is it relationships? Is it anger? Is it your emotions? Is it sexuality? Is it significance? Is it self-esteem? I don't know. I don't know what it is. And I get it. Sacrifice? Sacrifice doesn't seem pleasant. It seems painful, right? But it's only painful when we focus on what we lose. If we focus on what we gain, we gain a right relationship with God. We gain the new which is filled with hope and love and joy and peace. That's what we gain when we sacrifice. It's for our own benefit, even. It's not just taking off the old. It's also putting on the new. So I was, I was thinking this, this last week about, about people that could be an example of this. And there are lots that came up, which is, which is I'm very thankful for. That's fantastic. Maybe you have somebody in your life that you go, you know, they show me this. Somebody here at the Ridge, somebody in your family. That's what it was for me. Now, they would not be happy that I'm using them as an example. They would be the first ones to tell you they don't have this all figured out and that I don't have this all figured out. First ones in line with that. But I'd like to introduce you to my mom and dad. Aren't they cute? David and Joyce, they are an example for me in my life on how to live sacrificially. Here, here's, here's some phrases that I wrote down. Just, hey, this is kind of what this reminds me of. Integrity in the midst of difficulty. Faith in the midst of struggle. I saw a dad that loved God in hard times. I saw a mom that clinged to God when she didn't understand. I saw God show up. I saw God let, him, let them flounder. They were in ministry 40 plus years, which is a lot. They taught me a phrase that I think about pretty consistently. Hey, Adam, it's not about you. I think about that all the time. Living sacrificially doesn't mean that you have it all figured out. They don't. Jesus did that for them. But living sacrificially can impact the people around you. It can definitely impact the kingdom of God. And it can provide these fruits that we so desperately desire. These fruits of love and 
hope and joy and peace and patience. Now, I'm not standing up here in front of you because I'm perfect. And I'm not giving them as an example to you because they're perfect. Because I, I've sat where you sit, and I know what it's like to think. Easy for you to say. Yeah, that's fair. Easy for me to say, hard to do, right? Because we're all in a different place in our journey. Maybe your next step is to surrender your life to Jesus and to say, yeah, I'm going to do that. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you did that a long time ago. Maybe you did that when you were eight. But I know in my life, I still have things that God is working on, transforming, sanctifying, because I'm not perfect, because I fail every day. So some of us are working to identify the area in our life that we haven't fully given to God. Is there? Is there an area where you're still wearing that nasty old hoodie? Is there an area in your life that you never really took it off? Will you bow your head with me? We, we all have a next step. And uh, just some questions that I want to ask and give, give a little bit of space for you to think about. How is the Spirit prompting you to change? What area of your life is God asking you to surrender? What corner of your heart is Jesus asking you to sacrifice? What is it? Money, relationships, food, identity, sexuality, pride, work, success, self-worth, time, control, affirmation. Ask God right now to help you identify what he's asking you to surrender. Ask God for help and strength to surrender it. And let, give permission to the Spirit to renew your mind.